Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we got a dynamite episode here for you today. I'm talking with Jay Lucas. Jay is an accomplished businessman. He's an author, a leader, a philanthropist, and he believes in the power of positivity, patriotism, and community engagement. He's actively spreading his message through his best-selling book, American Sunshine, Rays of Hope and Opportunity. And Jay is an example of service. He was an elected state representative while still in college at Yale. He then earned his MBA from Harvard Business School and his law degree from Harvard Law School. He's now the chairman and managing partner of the Lucas Group, where he and his team focus on working with private equity investors and and with their portfolio companies. And he's now uh, also actively involved in revitalizing his hometown uh, in New Hampshire. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. He's just got a wealth of experience. This is going to be a different interview than I think anything we've ever done before. I think you're going to get get and get a ton of value out of it. Jay Lucas, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. Oh, thank you very much, Steve. And uh, it's a delight to be with you today. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think uh, we're going to cover some some new and interesting things. And just before we kind of get into the meat of things, I think it'd be helpful for everybody to to have a little bit of context for uh, you know for your background, where where you've kind of come from through your career to get to this point. Can you give us a little bit of background? Yeah, sure. I'd be delighted. Um, so I started out. I grew up in a very small town up in western part of New Hampshire. And I went to public school, Newport, New Hampshire, Newport High School, and then um, had the great experience, great opportunity to go for my undergrad work at Yale. And as you mentioned, uh, uh, then on to law school and business school. And my career has um, has largely been around business. Um, I was I was also really fortunate to uh, be one of the early partners at a fast-growing, uh, now global uh, consulting firm, strategy consulting firm, Bain. People, some people may know of Bain and Company, B-A-I-N, or Bain Capital. Uh, our most famous alumnus uh, is clearly Mitt Romney. <laughs> it was a partner in the early days with me. Uh, and uh, thereafter, uh, having been part of an organization that, I mean, it's, it's interesting. When I joined the company, the firm, I think there were about 80 people in the entire uh, firm, uh, when I left about 10 years later, uh, there were about 1,200. And so just a meteoric growth opportunity, helping, basically helping businesses grow. That, that has been our focus. Um, aligning with one uh, client in a particular industry and then really trying to help that client win, that company win in their business. And enormous amount of fun. I uh, decided to, um, that I was becoming a little bit of a small cog in a, in a large machine. And uh, really wanted to set off and become much more entrepreneurial. And so I did. Founded the Lucas Group. And uh, as, as you mentioned, Steve, our focus is not so much working uh, with Fortune 100, Fortune 500 kinds of companies, but instead um, working directly with private equity investors uh, as we analyze and identify good investment, good companies to acquire and then work with them and work with the management teams to, to help grow those companies, develop the strategies to grow uh, the companies, create, really create great opportunities for people inside the companies and, and, and try to you know, do things that are going to really satisfy their customers. And um, as you mentioned along the way, I have been involved in um, politics uh, early on government. I was fortunate enough uh, as, a, um, as actually a college undergraduate 
to run for state elected office uh, also in New Hampshire, uh, served two terms as a, as a state representative. And then uh, many years later, um, I felt as though the state was moving in the wrong direction and I got involved and uh, actually ran for governor um, and won my party's nomination, lost the general election. But what a great experience that that is and was. Um, but one of the things that taught me was the um, just how 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 not how behind the times really uh, state government really is in terms of being a modern functioning organization. So uh, subsequently took many of the um, skill sets and business capabilities we have in the consulting firm and began deploy, deploying those on behalf of states and governors and their staffs around the country to help improve the, some would say the efficiency of state government, but, but really the ability of state government to uh, use modern business practices to help people, you know, do the jobs that they need to do. And uh, beyond that, I've, I've done, I'm, I'm more recently involved in a couple of causes that I feel really strongly about. I'm happy to kind of walk through some of those uh, as the conversation develops. But that's just a very quick sketch <laughs> of some of the things I've been involved in, Steve. Well, it's quite a diverse background. And, uh, I, you know, I, it's interesting having in, in the past had the the thought of, of moving towards politics myself. I got to tell you, um, the way things are in, in our discourse right now, um, You've got to be uh, bulletproof if you're going to do that. Uh, and so I, I commend you for ser serving in that way. It's, uh, um, I think it's very difficult to put yourself out in, in that arena. Um, it operates very differently than the business world. So over all of that span of experience, I'm sure there were times where things didn't go exactly as you had planned. What are some of the 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 ways of thinking or the habits that you've accumulated over time that kind of helped propel you forward, even when things were tough? Well, I am a huge proponent of uh, positive thinking. Um, and, and some of the, some of the, some of the phrases or some of the beliefs I have um, and kind of the framework I've developed is really around the notion that if you, there's a great power to the human spirit. And that if you're optimistic, you're enthusiastic, you're positive, you're going to send out vibes. And those vibes are going to really, they're going to have a dramatic impact on your ultimate destiny. So that when you find yourself uh, surrounded by circumstances that appear negative, um, uh, hopeless, uh, just there's a great temptation to give in to the pessimism, to... Uh, to get actually into a kind of almost a physical uh, uh, position where you're 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 all crouched over, you're tightened up, and and things when you when you get into that kind of a position or that kind of thought pattern, things generally are not going to go well for you because you're not you're not feeling optimistic, you're not positive, you're not making things happen. And so one of the things that I I kind of developed early on was um, when you when you find yourself in some moment like that. I think there's a great tendency to be uh, looking back and having regrets or looking, as I like to say, imagine yourself way up high and looking down. And when, you look, when you're way up high and you're looking way down, it can be pretty scary. So, you, so don't look down, you know, don't look back, <clears throat> but always look forward and look up. And so in other words, 
look what you can do in the future, look forward and look up with great optimism and enthusiasm to have a vision for where you want to get to, because there's really no, there's nothing harder for the human mind to do than to uh, be looking at a set of circumstances and <clears throat> rather than uh, have those circumstances really influence his or her own worldview and opinion, you've got to have a mindset that says, hey, regardless of these circumstances, I know where I'm going. I know where we're going to get to. I have faith. I have faith that we're going to get there. And that's, that's kind of the mindset that I think is so powerful because it not only has a direct impact on the way you think and on the way your actions will progress. But I really know that in human interaction, uh, people sense it. They can sense a confidence. And that, that positive vibe is an energy. It, it, so, some people will say, uh, which I, and I do like this, this notion that, that thoughts are things, that thoughts can manifest themselves into great realities. And that I think people around you get a sense of, if you really do have those positive thoughts, they're going to be feeling more positive and much more inclined to be helpful to you and, and good things tend to happen. So, so that, that's been my philosophy and it, it, uh, you know, it, it's worked for me and, um, and it's something I really subscribe to. I think that's a great way of looking at things. And, and, uh, you know, I, I do, I do agree that, that thoughts are things, or at least they turn into because the thing that you're most focused on is usually the thing that you end up working towards, whether you want to or not. The, uh, and whether you're mm -hmm. conscious of it or not, it's the, the thing that you work towards most. One of the observations that I've made over the years, particularly with business owners, is when things get bad, they tend, they, they, and they focus on kind of all of the, the negative um, events that are happening around them, they tend to withdraw and kind of, you know, isolate themselves a little bit. Mm. And, um, and when you're really positive and you're looking towards the future, I think it's very hard to do. It's almost like you're driven to go and, and connect with other other humans, um, and, and so I, that's to me that's a fantastic way to be. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, your observation, Steve, I think is right on. Um, you many, if you remember going through some of these economically more challenging times, certainly the 0809 recession for many people uh, was one of those. Um, you had a couple of different things you could do. <clears throat> One, which was not a particularly successful strategy, is exactly what you just described, <clears throat> where business owners would feel um, threatened and understandably threatened uh, and um, really kind of withdraw you know, unto themselves. And um, so here's, an, here's a story for you. So if any of our listeners, <clears throat> excuse me, remember what it was like in that, that fall of 2008, uh, it was, from a business and economic perspective, it was feeling as though the world was just about to end. Maybe it had ended. We didn't know. Uh, orders in, in many businesses totally dried up in the months of October and November 2008. And so we being a consulting firm at the Lucas Group, I, um, you know, it was a time when new business also was not coming in the door. And, a, and in a consulting firm with you know, many employees with a number of employees, you have fixed costs and um, you really need those revenues coming in. So our choice was either to kind of hunker down and, and withdraw or to do what you're suggesting, Steve. So what I did is I decided that, um, and it just, you know, purely made this up, that, um, that it would be a great time to hold a forum. And what we do is we'd 
uh, invite all of our clients and all of our friends and we get a, a big uh, big conference room and we bring everybody into town and we'd have a forum where we'd talk about uh, a little bit. We, we, had, we talked a little bit to start the meeting about, gee, things are really tough. But what was really, really uh, exciting is that as the meeting developed, um, just having that group of people and the synergy of it, uh, there was great sense of optimism coming out of that. And I think, you know, that optimism literally did um, in several instances help people get through the recession in a good way. And, and I, as I sit down with some of them today, their businesses are so much stronger than they were then. And to, I think some, some small amount of credit does go to that forum and just kind of get them positive energy flowing for those folks and giving them the confidence um, that they really need it. And so, it was, so just a small example of what you're saying, Steve, I think is so, so very true. What a great strategy. Um, I, I want to turn our focus a little bit um, onto some of the things that you're working on now. And before we do that, uh, we're going to take a quick break. But uh, you're going to want to stay tuned because Jay is working on some really amazing projects. And I think everything from uh, from from what it means to be a, a modern patriot to uh, to how to revitalize a community um, and all within the context of business. You're going to want to stick around and listen to this. We'll be right back with more from Jay Lucas. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review. Rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon, and I'm talking with Jay Lucas and Jay. We we kind of left off, um, and and I want to I want to talk now about the things you're working on now. You've got a, a book out. Uh, called American Sunshine, Rays of Hope and, and Opportunity. And you talk about this idea of modern patriotism, and I'd love to understand that a little bit more. And I also want to dive into what you're doing in um, in in your hometown in Newport, New Hampshire. Um, and so let's maybe, let's start off with the book. Tell us a little bit about the book and what motivated you to write that. Yeah, the book, um, American Sunshine, is, um, and its title kind of does give it away a little bit. But American Sunshine is a it's a vision for America, but it's a vision that says, you know, what if we could get past all this political bickering and divisiveness and all the negativity, but we really got back to some of our, of our founding values and projected ourselves and said, what could we be as a nation? And that that literally is that's the central theme of um, uh, American Sunshine. It's a very positive view of our country and what our future can hold. Um, it, but at the same time, it's also got a second dimension, which is a, in parallel, it's a spiritual dimension. So think of it as, um, you know, just I have a strong belief in the power of the human spirit, of the of the potential potentiality of um, the human uh, future and what we can achieve. And so it has this this spirituality to it, and and it's a very positive book in that respect because it comes back to some of the things we were just discussing earlier, Steve, um, that you can manifest your future if in, and really create a positive future if you send out those positive vibes. And then then thirdly, it has one other piece to it, which I think is, it's a fun book. Um, and it's a fun book in the sense that it has 28 uh, chapters 
and each chapter has its own cartoon. So, <laughs> so people can read in the cartoons and it's fun, but it also, I think, has some very positive messages in it. Um, and, and, I, and I wrote the book really because uh, at a certain point in your life, you've gone through a number of experiences and you feel as though it's a great opportunity to share uh, some of those um, insights and experiences with others. And hopefully you'll have a good impact on other people's lives. Well, I'm glad you shared it. And I, I think tying, tying these ideas together, I mean, if you think about the way that the United States was founded, it, it really was founded on this principle that there is this great potentiality in human beings and that there, there is this, this growth to come in, in, uh, in all of humanity. And, and the country was really created to, to, create a place where that could be allowed to flourish. Now, have we had our problems? Of course we have. Um, we're human. But um, if, you, if you go back and read what was observed about this country's founding from people in other parts of the world, you know, particularly in Europe, um, because they probably had the most contact with us, there, there's that, that thought that here's something new and different that had never happened before, and it unlocked something. And, uh, and I, I appreciate you shining a light on that because I think, I think that's missing. And I don't, I don't think that, that the United States has, um, uh, you know, a complete lock on that anymore. Other parts of the world have, have gravitated more towards the same ideals, but, um, but that line of thinking for humanity, I think is important. It's, and it's, uh, it's missing now. I think we've lost focus on it. So, um, I appreciate you taking the time and the effort of writing a book to point that out. No, but Steve, you're so right. Uh, you are absolutely so spot on in what you're saying that that was the founding ethos and principle uh, of America it was really to create a place, a place where um, we were, we're joined or united by a set of ideas. We're, we're not a, we're not one ethnic group or, or, or one, um, a group has come here without homogenization. But the reason that we're here and the reason that we're so special is that we've all subscribed to this common set of beliefs of things like freedom of speech and freedom of religion and tolerance and the idea of the uh, great potentiality of the individual and that the individual is supreme and the, that our government works for the individual, not the other way around. So, and, and all of these are just so fundamental to America. And like, just like you said, in the early 1800s, when foreign European visitors would come, like notably um, a fellow named Alex de Tocqueville, who wrote uh, great volumes about what he observed by traveling really throughout America, he was, he was breathlessly taken away by just <clears throat> what an entrepreneurial uh, unleashing of the human spirit that he saw here in, in America, which was so much in contrast to uh, the Europe of the time. And um, I think the other observation I would have today <clears throat> is that um, while all of that <clears throat> remains, <clears throat> excuse me, true in our history, that today, um, you know, we as Americans, uh, particularly in, you know, if we've grown up here, there's a tendency to take it for granted uh, and, and not really fully acknowledge or appreciate or recognize just what a special place we have. But I do see that. Here's a kind of an interesting example. I, I tend to, um, because I travel, I travel a lot in business. So I'll find myself in the back of a, either 
a taxi cab or an Uber or whatever it might be. And I, and I get into a conversation and I, and I love to have conversations with people. And so my typical conversation, and many of the drivers, by the way, uh, are not from, didn't, didn't grow up here in the United States. And so um, a, an initial question oftentimes is, so, so I'll ask, you know, so you, you didn't you didn't grow up here in America. Where where did you come from? They'll tell me what country it was, and and then <clears throat> the conversation pretty rapid. Uh, I might ask them how long they've been here. And then one question I always ask is that, you know, do you do you like it here? Do you like it here in America? And and almost ten out of ten will say, yeah, well, I'd, I'd love it here. And then I'll ask, you know, what do you find that what, what what's so special about America? Nine times out of ten, if not more than that. The word that'll come—it's a word. It comes back as freedom. So you, in America, you're free. You can do anything you want. You can, it can become anything you want to be. And that's just—and it's so recognized by these people who have not grown up here, and they see that distinct difference, and they just oh, so fully appreciate it, and they love being here in America. So that—that's how it comes to life for me. Yeah, it's almost like um, I try and convey this to our kids all the time. I mean, our our repeated phrase to them is that you, you have won the genetic lottery. You happen to be born here. You could have been born anywhere. You happen to be born here. And then my next question to them is, okay, well, what, what are your plans now? What are you going to do with it? And, you know, it, it's, I think it's difficult for them to understand. I think it's, it's taken me, I'm 47 years old this year. It's taken me most of those 47 years just to realize, you know, that I'm a fish swimming in water, you know, and if you, if you grow up and you have the, these freedoms, um, it's easy to take them for granted because it's just the way things are. And without the contrast of, I mean, I, I almost think I, I have that same experience in, in Ubers and cabs and uh, you know, all the time when I'm talking to a driver and they're from somewhere else, they have an appreciation for all of the freedoms that exist uh, particularly here, but also exist in a lot of other places in, in the, uh, the Western world that those of us who were born here and grow up here don't have because they've seen the contrast. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's striking to me and it's taken me a long time to, to really come to that realization. Um, one of the things that, that that freedom affords you is, is you get to go out and pick projects and choose things. You can look at a situation that you want to improve and you've got the freedom to go do that. I know that you have done that in your hometown in Newport, New Hampshire. Um, tell us a little bit about that initiative. I know you're doing some unique things to attract businesses in. Yeah, this is, this is um, I've never done anything as rewarding as what I'm doing now. And um, it's, it's a revitalization project in a town I grew up in. And so picture a town um, in Western New Hampshire, a town of about 6,000 people called Newport. Um, and it's, it, 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 it's unique, but it's not unique in a lot of ways in the sense that there's so many other towns around uh, New England and around the Midwest, really around throughout our country, who have uh, shared experience with uh, what's ha happened and been happening in Newport in the sense that over the last, oh, say, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, what was a bustling Main Street very vibrant Main Street in a small town, wonderful place to grow up. Uh, today, when you go back and you take a look at that same Main Street in that same town, there's this long, slow economic decline as um, 
jobs have left uh, the area. In some cases left the country. Uh, the um, uh, that that main street is uh, not that bustling place anymore. You know, it's not entirely vacant, but for sure. But there's many vacancies along the main street, and it just doesn't have the vitality. And you get a sense that uh, you know, if you're a young person, you're, you're not looking to either stay or come back to Newport uh, because the jobs just really aren't there. The opportunities aren't. And um, and of course, our, in our area, we've been hit. Um, with a double whammy because the opioid crisis has really been a, a major impact on the, on the region. And, and, but then that's true throughout other parts of the country as well, for sure. Well, <clears throat> earlier this year, um, back uh, really in about January, February, I had, uh, I decided that um, I just happened to be driving through town one day and um, it just came over me. And I said, you know, I- I'm going to change this. We're going to revitalize Newport. So we, so it began, and I must admit, we really didn't have any particular concept of exactly how that was all going to happen. But I just knew that here's an opportunity, and I've got uh, relationships and resources because I, I've, I've done a number of things in business, and there's some things I could bring to the community to, to be very, very helpful and at least be a spark plug, maybe be a champion, put some energy into this. And so we began with, with two people and then 12 and now we're up to about somewhere between 150 and 175 people uh, with our shoulders leaning into this initiative. And, and the whole idea is to bring uh, vitality and economic opportunity and just a sense of real life uh, back to Newport uh, so that we can kind of give opportunities to the next generation. They really afforded me some wonderful opportunities growing up and, and being a, a Newport, a Newporter. I'll always be a Newporter. Uh, so, so, uh, but you got to think a little bit out of the box, and uh, so we're doing some things that you know are a little bit, I would think, traditional, uh, trying to find businesses to to relocate in the town and so forth. But some some really cool things that we're doing. In addition to that, we're we're t- we there's an old mill in town, uh, beautiful old mill, but the problem is that it's been vacant or dormant for the last 40 years. And uh, while it's being sort of kept up physically, it's, it, you know, there's just nothing there. So we're, we're revitalizing or restoring that mill. We're putting in 47 independent living apartments. Uh, we're putting in a health center right in that old mill area, keeping the character of the mill. And then also a restaurant uh, with riverfront dining. And this, this, this old dormant mill that people would sort of pass by, you know, day in and day out, uh, is now going to become sort of an economic center, kind of a vibrant place for the community, working with a developer to uh, uh, help get the various tax credits and financing that's required to make this project really work. But that's that's an exciting project to be a magnet for the whole uh, community. But then <clears throat> I just mentioned quickly, Steve, two out-of-the-box ideas that um, you know, I think can be employed by other communities, um, as certainly the, the method of thinking, at least, let's say. So uh, Newport being remote, being somewhat isolated, uh, I was thinking, you know, the dig- there must be digital opportunities that can really revitalize this community. And so I began working with three entrepreneurial digital firms in New York City, and they um, were kind enough to volunteer to put together a program to um, a training program uh, in digital, so web design, 
uh, coding, programming, some Java. And uh, so what we constructed was a 12-week uh, training program for 20 students in Newport uh, to be fully trained and certified at the end of this period. Uh, now, they could get their training without even leaving uh, the community. But even more important, that once certified, they'd be qualified, they will be qualified to do work uh, for these, these same firms in New York City or really any place around the world and really earn some great income. And in the way I'm, we're in the midst of that program right now is really working. Uh, what's, what's really interesting and probably one of the most important parts of it to me is that the, uh, the people, we, thought, we originally thought this was gonna be a program for only high school students. But what it turned out is that we have several high school students among the 20 students, but we also have people in their 20s, 30s. We've got some, two people in their, in their 60s because the town and community just hasn't afforded the opportunities. And they see this program as a real way of, uh, of achieving and uh, improving their set of opportunities. And uh, they're so enthused about the program. And, and I'm enthused about it for that reason. I'm also thinking that, uh, you know, we're doing one 12-week training session now of 20 people, but that's really, the way to think about it is, it's not the only 20, it's just the first 20. And so we're going to do 20 more and 20 more and 20 more, and uh, it's really going to change the fabric of the town. So that's, so that, that's I think, a real game changer for, for Newport, and, and I'm really enthused about it. Yeah, I, I think we're in a great retooling um in in this country and and i think it's it's happening in others as well as as we sort of move i don't think we're moving beyond the industrial age things need to be made and built and all of that but where that happens has shifted and i think we're in this great retooling of uh of our economy and we you know it used to be that you had to centralize everything because of the the need for massive capital and 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 now we're seeing that that the opposite can happen because of technology, because of the internet, you know, you can now work in this distributed way. I mean, we're, we're a great example of that. We've got a, a, a team that, that spans, you know, both sides of the Atlantic and, and, uh, and none of us in the same physical location. I happen to live in a little town called Tallahassee in Florida. Um, I didn't grow up here and, and uh, certainly wasn't the first place I lived. I moved here by choice and am able to work with companies all over the world because of technology. And I couldn't have done that 15 years ago or 20 years ago, at least not to the degree that we're doing now. And it creates all kinds of amazing opportunities for little communities like Tallahassee, like Newport, like, uh, you know, all, all across the country, these little towns that have been kind of forgotten but are great places to live where you can find really good, hardworking people uh, and smart people that if they have the skills, yeah. you know, they don't need to live in New York City or in LA or in, in Silicon Valley. Um, just huge opportunity. So I, I, I applaud what you're doing. It's fantastic. Well, we've got one more, many more, but here's one other sort of out of the box way of thinking that also can work maybe for some other communities. Um, so as we're thinking about trying to attract businesses into our community, a thought bubbled up and said, you know, Hey, 30 miles away uh, from Newport, there actually is a, a, a much more thriving economic area uh, around a place um, 
really dominated by Dartmouth College, it's sort of Hanover and Lebanon, New Hampshire, and so many communities nearby will have you know a, a community like that. There are lots of jobs. Um, there's a great educational opportunities. There's just it's a great place, thriving area. And um, <clears throat> however, the uh, when you have an area like that, real estate prices tend to go up, and it becomes somewhat unaffordable for folks. And we said, you know, gee whiz, if um, if if that's the kind of place that is uh, only about 30 miles away, what if we kind of flip things on it on the head, and instead let's think about Newport's a great place for folks to live, and maybe they can actually we can take advantage of the business and job opportunities that are really only 30 miles away. But what could we do to foster this? So the answer, or at least the the answer we're pursuing aggressively right now, and I'm pretty excited about, is a bus service. So, and and not sort of just an old cranky old bus service, but a really nice one, where um, where there's daily commuting capability, where people can get on and get to do get their Wi-Fi and be in a really comfortable location where they don't have to drive and do the commuting back and forth, um, and um, and several times a day and be dropped off and make the commuting a really pleasant experience, uh, such that people will not only uh, be able to live in Newport and work 30 miles away, but, but choose to and uh, get those really those great families uh, locating in Newport and finding it to be a you know, community where they can actually afford much more housing and real estate and just a great place to live uh, and have the best of both worlds. So we're in the process of instituting that now. And, um, you know, it's just another one of those real game changers that, that either could happen or would not happen but with a concerned group of citizens, uh, organized, coordinated, uh, really tapping into resources, you know, as we call the Newport Sunshine Initiative, um, we're able to make this happen. So, so just another idea, Stephen, uh, ways people can kind of break out of traditional thinking and uh, try to um, innovate in ways that are going to help their community. Yeah, it's it's interesting as I'm listening to you describe that solution. It, it just occurs to me that's a an eminently entrepreneurial solution to that problem. You know, the, the bureaucratic solution might be well, we need to lay a train track and we need train service and we need all this stuff, and it's going to take us a decade. Mm. You know, but the entrepreneurial solution is well, let's just go get a bus because we already got the roads, and let's get a bus that will go back and forth, and and let's get a nice bus, but uh, let's see if this will work. Without well, you know, Steve, you know, betting the farm. You're, you're so you're so spot on. Um, we've we've kind of lived this because <clears throat> the same set of issues has been studied many times, and um, <clears throat> but but it has the problem the 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 the, the governmental or uh, the nonprofit organizational uh, morass sometimes is just a is difficult to get to action and. Um, it can study a problem and maybe find some resources and maybe not, but tends to build a, a, a construct of a much larger solution set that has to be addressed. Whereas in a, the way I'm thinking about this is exactly as you described, let's pick a route, get a bus, let's start it, and then we can build from there. So you're absolutely, absolutely right. That's brilliant. Well, um, Jay, I, I appreciate you coming on today. I know we're about out of time. Um, you've shared a, a tremendous amount of wisdom with us. And, and for folks listening, you know, even if you're not in a situation to implement any of these specific ideas, what, what I love that, at least what I gained from this conversation is 
a different way of looking at problems. And, uh, and Jay, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, where can folks find out more about what you're doing and, and where can they connect with you? Yeah, two things. <clears throat> uh, certainly learn more about the Sunshine Initiative book and, and, and everything we're doing at uh, my website, which is at jlucas.us. It's spelled J-A-Y, Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, dot U-S. So very, very easy to find, jlucas.us. The other thing is um, the book. The book is, is listed there, but if you want to uh, go find it, it's on Amazon. It's uh, really simple. It's American Sunshine at Amazon. And either of those two ways, um, love to hear from you. You can, can email us at that website. There's an info a place to send us some uh, some comments and love to love to hear your comments and we'd love to get back to you and, and uh, develop a relationship anything we can do to help in other words outstanding jay thank you so much for being on the show today it's been a pleasure and i look forward to connecting with you in the future thank you steve thanks for listening to the unstoppable ceo podcast Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.